So we're with Father David Huss. Thrilled to have you here. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but we can do it. Actually, I do know what what we should. What I I know what I want to talk about. But if you guys have stuff that you wanted to talk about, feel feel free. No, so just so the audience knows, like I've known Father David. Me and Luke were freshmen at the twenty same years. Time. We were in the same freshman small group. Father That's David crazy. was twenty years. Yeah, twenty years. Twenty years, man. Twenty, 20 years. years. Our friendship can drink. Lord. You were one of the, you. So okay, let's <laughs> illegally Texas. We've always been. let's what? let's yeah. let's like let's ease it in, into it first. Let's talk about the old, about sure. the old days for a bit. So you were in you were part of ABG, obviously greatest yep. household to like like ever exist. Everyone else can suck it. And you. So when we got there, like half the household was was in. Austria. Do you remember how like <laughs> it's with, not like, weird with like me, Mazza, who else was there? Caesar. Like Cameron, Caesar, like love these guys, but it was just it was an it honestly it was an awkward Hotch-potch. semester. Pat, like yeah, yeah, Pat oh, Duffy, yeah, a hot, yeah, yeah. like not a real representation of it. And I yeah. and it was funny because like I don't know. It was just it's it's I like I have such like fun memories. So like it's what's weird about college at like at Franciscan. So when you think about it's like households are for the most part a lot like Greek life. There's a, a lot of those mm-hmm. dynamics are the same. One thing from, from from people that I know who are in Greek life and hearing their stories, except we don't have as much cocaine. Um, yeah, so, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we wouldn't even know. Beer, but maybe. depending upon the like what like phase of life we were all in. Yeah. But what's mm-hmm. weird about I'm Franciscan <laughs> is that like we've, we talked about before, like you go out to Austria and stuff and it's great is back on yeah. campus. When those people from Austria are gone, it creates this mm-hmm. weird dynamic, particularly for a group like us where everyone tends to, we all went in the fall. So every fall you had like a group of 10, sometimes I'm um, 15 guys who were missing. And if you have a group yeah. of like, I'm a 30 to 35 plus that's half yeah. And it can gone. make a weird yeah. um, dynamic, and that, and we just, and I felt like I was so grateful for that because I f- still think some of the guys. I mean, I got very close with all, uh, like a ton of the guys that came back and built up, yeah, great um friendships, like Brian Kissinger, Kervaniak, Joey Ruth, all those guys. No one knows who they are. I don't care, but this is just this is the point. Those that, but like when I think of like you, Pat Duffy, like it's like, I, I met you orientation. I have I'm known yeah. you since I was 18, you know, and wow. there's something special about there's just like it's just you guys. Yeah. I put you in like in my it's gonna sound weird, but like in my heart, you're in like a little bit of a different group because it goes back that far. Yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah. Weird. Those, that was a good semester, and that was a good semester too. Like even though it was weird uh, in the sense of like yeah, half the household was missing, and a very extroverted version. Of that's the also missing. true. Yes, that's yeah. That, very, very much that's so. a really good point. No one's ever um said that. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean all those all guys are the extroverts, and mm-hmm. like the introverts were left there. And but I mean it still was good for like the the notion of for detox and things like that. And again, there's the smaller community that could really care for each other, which is what we what the households are there yeah. for. Obviously, for brotherhood. Mm-hmm. For true friendship, but yes, it rooted in Christ, and so it actually the the the, the a lot of guys going away each fall or um, just does create an environment where yeah, it can be nicely a bit smaller for the incoming freshman or person coming to the university to be able to to to, to yeah encounter a smaller piece of that group where it could certainly be very intimidating, and yes, perform some better friendships that then get added onto when all those guys come back. So that's yeah, great. yeah, yeah, and it was interesting for me coming into the household because. 
the like you said the dynamics were so different but it allowed us also to form and this is like almost like a mad genius about it it's like hey here's half the household that mm-hmm. you can actually become friends with and now, like every fall, so every time you get a new freshman class, it's like, oh, I get to meet these guys. And then it's like, yeah, and it's going to be pretty intense when the neck, when the, when mm-hmm. the wave of guys come back from Austria. And then it's like, okay, well, I already know these guys, and now I only have to get to know the new guys, yeah. and I'll know everyone, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was such an interesting dynamic uh, that time. And uh, yeah, it's, and the household was so powerful for me. I know agreed. we did a whole I know. Stumble episode. It's never going to stop. It's never going to stop. It right? must be lived. for me it was like i never had anything even remotely close to a brother Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right like you know father david you had your brother michael i'm you had a bunch of guys that ended up going to franciscan at uh st thomas high school and Mm -hmm. stuff like that that at least you knew you had whatever for me it was like i had guy friends i had friends who were dudes obviously but my Christian life was marked more by associating with women than it was with men. Mm-hmm. And that phrase, iron sharpens iron, was probably just lived every day mm-hmm. in yeah. AMDG. That when I got out of it, it not only, not only did my mind say, I'm not going to look for a job unless there's community there. Mm-hmm. But like, I need a brotherhood. Like, I need men need men, just like women need women. And yeah. just like we need each other. I always feel like you have to issue these disclaimers, and it really annoys me. But, like, men need men. And if they don't have access to men, they don't know how to be men in all the stupid ways and mm-hmm. all the fun ways and all the awful ways mm-hmm. and all the awesome ways. And that is what AMDG across the board gave me. Yeah, know? and I, w- I will say also, like, it is, I mean, phenomenal, the household system. And I will say it also spoils. Oh, 100%. Like, in the sense mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm sure we've all talked about it, like, before. And, I mean, guys go, that's also why I think some of our guys gravitate towards certain cities mm-hmm. and things like that. So there is some element of the brotherhood that's still there, even though we're all, like, have a million things going on. But I'll tell you, man, and, and I'm not trying to make this be a transition or anything like that, but seminary was hard. Entering seminary was hard. When seminary guy, like, I've experienced real brotherhood. And like mm-hmm. the vulnerability of like yeah. detox and again, and just laying stuff out there so that we can grow in holiness together. And guys are scared in seminary. They've never had real friendship, real brotherhood. They're all they're they're freaking out about getting kicked out of seminary because some of them might have some real crap that needs to get worked out before they go serve the people of God. Yeah. And but yeah, man, that was like one of the biggest difficulties. And I'll tell you, it's even hard now, like in this diocese. Like we're mm-hmm. I mean, we have our mega parishes. Um we it, sure, you maybe have one or two other priests there, but you might not necessarily. You're so busy that you don't have time to fraternity. You have to be very intentional about it. And then the younger guys you probably went to seminary with, or you went to seminary with, like still getting together with those guys who might be like one of the guys I was very close with in seminary was just up here at the closest mm-hmm. parish. He just got transferred to Galveston, so he's literally like two hours away now. Like to try to have fraternity is just is tough. We have to be very very intentional about it. Well, and I think like yeah. one thing that tends to actually get lost with that is when we talk about it, it's it's i mean we like we began by talking about what it was like in the in the beginning but there's just as much importance of that like happens towards the end and or when you have reached a more a mature of face so like i remember coming back from like one of the things i really um i really um loved about amdg was well like one i just want to add like i had that in high school with like a core um, group of dudes so then getting that on college even on like a deeper um level with like like a like um, large group was incredibly it's, it's like I mean, for me it was like a seamless transition almost but also very like 
I knew what I was getting into. And when I saw it, I was like, that is what I want. And I need a lot more of that. And, and one of the things that I think for me, this is, this is a really dumb example, but I remember like, I love the fact that in a, that in AMBG, it was like, when you're in your, you were in, there's no hierarchy there. And it's almost to a fault, but I would say like, poor Tom, we, we never should, poor guy, sophomore as a coordinator. What were we thinking? Oh gosh, poor guy. But like, you know, and like, and like me and Gomer have actually incorporated that as part of like the the culture, if you will, with like this business that we own is like, we like anyone who like who's involved equal voice. And I remember when I came back from Austria, then Matt Fenter, now now like um, both Father Paul, Thomas Yeager, and Jared George had had all got had all gotten in. And I remember we had a big meeting. We were about like almost um, something, and then I think um Fenter like he was trying to like chastise everyone during like the meeting. I remember I turned and was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was like, "Who do you think you are?" <laughs> but like, there was this element of like, "No, he's in." Like, I, and like, and like, as like an older guy, and I like, I love him to death. I mean, even, I mean, like from the daylight, like I met him, but there was always this like, you're the intent, I'm the older guy, like, you know, kind of a thing. And it's like, no, like, as like an older person, I've got to be okay with these people who now like, just because I wasn't here during any of the initiation, because I was out in like Austria. So I like, I missed them getting in. And when I came back, I felt like particularly Fenter and Jaeger had really strong voices within households, which was just a weird dynamic to have where all of a sudden these people who were not in, I missed the whole thing. They're there. Now they have a strong, they have like an equal and a strong voice. And I had to, and it, this was like a five minute thing in my head. It was, it like, it was not a big deal, but I, I'm bringing it up because I think it's not just for when like you're like in some type of like formative period. There's when you are, it's when you are a little bit older, a little bit past that, that like you still have, you still have like edges that need to, that like need to be worked on, the need to be, need to be smoothed out. So I think you're 100% right when you say that when things like in the seminary or even in priest rights right now, we always need that. And, and, and that was probably like the first time in my, I mean, I was, you know, 20 in my life that I had to experience a, you know, a little bit of a humility as it related to a group dynamic that I had a strong part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we absolutely need it. It's one of the reasons why I'm over here tonight. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, Agreed. I realized I, I'm going to move this summer guaranteed just because of the shifts in the diocese. And I need the brother that I have in, in Gomer and, yeah, and even I was just talking with Father Jonathan Meyer. You might know him from, he has a YouTube channel, All Saints Parish in Indiana. Maybe more people know him because, I mean, he's been a a name out there. But Father John Hollowell, so he's the priest who got, oh, if you haven't heard his story. So Father John, yeah. great priest, he got a brain tumor. And he offered it up for all persons who had suffered sexual abuse because of clergy. Oh, wow. He recently just reported he got healed at Lourdes. Holy cow. Like awesome. Awesome guy. Him and then he and Father Jonathan Meyer, two amazing priests, All Saints Parish in like Dearborn County, Indiana. And they have like four parishes and then they count the internet as like their other parish. Yeah, great preachers, good guys. I I got to see Father Jonathan at 
World Youth Day. It was great just to say like, hi, I'm, it was such an awkward moment. I was like, hi, I, I've been following you. And he's like, where do you know me? I'm like, I'm at YouTube, YouTube. I'm not a stalker. Um, uh, and, uh, YouTube and from your bushes, the sycamore tree, all of them. Yeah, ah! yeah. I was just like, thank you. I appreciate y'all so much. I'll stri- you and John, Father Jonathan, like really striving for sanctity. And, and obviously like, it's great that yeah. you two who are doing that are in the same parish now. So like, I oh, assume some awesome. of it had to do with like the cancer thing and that they were already friends. Yeah. But I mean, just so great that they get to, and that was one thing I just talked with him recently and he was like, yeah, you've got to strive for brotherhood like better. We need it amongst priests and you need, yeah, again, two, if you got like good close friends, make it happen. I was like, and right, it's, it's yeah. very, yeah. very difficult. It's the mm-hmm. only way I know how to do it is to be intentional about it. You have to just do it. You have to say no you have to like in order to do it means you have to say no to other things. I know there were yeah. relationships at Franciscan that I didn't develop with people with, with guys I thought were great, but only just because I was spending time with household and that mm-hmm. was a choice. And I yeah. was totally fine with it. I was, there were two articles that came out in crisis magazine that people sent me because it came out the week I joined that man as you. And one was called your men's group will probably fail. And then someone wrote kind of a, a, uh, an, a an addendum to it called your men's group should fail. And the probably fail is like life's busy. Things are happening. Men don't like sitting around talking about their feelings anyway. So let's move on. And then <laughs> the other train. one was, yeah, <laughs> that's what makes the podcast industry go round. But then the other one was like more of a, like a traditional kind of thing. And he's like, no, men don't need small groups. Men don't need any of this stuff. What men need is good priests that give good homilies. That's their principal formation and maybe a spiritual director if they can and blah, blah, blah. And so I wrote, this is the first article that I've ever written and submitted. Mm. And I submitted it to crisis and the editor sent it to me and he's like, Hey, someone else already beat you to the punch. We're going to publish that. He goes, but my kids was at the sumo conference that you were a speaker at. He loved you. He thought you were great. And I was like, victory. <laughs> but but the article was like some of the things that they were critiquing was exactly what you said. Like you said, Luke, you said you in order to have community, you have to be intentional about it today. Mm-hmm. And that was my point. I was like, because one of the critiques was like, oh, it's so artificial. Who's going to put in the DVD and the DVD player and yeah. set up the projector and all this stuff? And I said, here's the problem. Okay, across the board. Number one, poor formation. No one knows their Catholic faith. So men's groups is yet another way that we can give good male, you know, con, uh, content formation, whatever. I said, but the reality is, I said, yeah, it's artificial. Come at 5.30 for breakfast tacos, 6 a.m. for a video, and then 30 minutes a small group or whatever. Yes, of course it's artificial. It's the scaffolding that we need in a world that is increasingly isolated. Mm-hmm. Like a bridge is artificial, but we need it to go from one place to the other. And that's exactly what these things are. They're like difficult way and and they don't suit everyone and that's the thing is like sometimes you meet people where you feel like this thing is the only thing that everyone needs to do that's not true but like things like that man is you or things like just going out and getting beers on a regular basis or whatever it might be or listening to podcasts together or audiobooks or, or having a book club or whatever these are things that are like are artificial but they exist because then they create a framework wherein actual life can happen and it doesn't have to be just sharing your feelings. It can be really what happens. Like I'll never forget one guy. We, you know, I wrote the dang community group curriculum. We would watch it every time my video would come on. I'd take a walk because I can't stand to hear or listen to myself or really look at myself. I would take a walk or go to the bathroom or something for a really long time. And then I come back and then we would talk. And they, this one guy was the quietest man I've ever met in my life. And the stuff that he would share, he would share for no more than like maybe 30 seconds. But afterwards, he would come and be like, thanks, guys, for really listening to me. And you're like, oh, is that a, are you joking right now? And he's like, no, thank you. People don't listen to me. That was awesome. Thank you. 
And you're like, oh, okay. So like the scaffolding feels fake. It feels forced. It feels whatever, even if you don't like it. But it's like, but the, the things that come up, that's what we're missing. It's no longer spontaneous. There's no longer a town square that we congregate in after work and mm-hmm. smoke cigars and, and hang out together. It just doesn't exist. Yeah, well, there, and there's not like whatever. We're all going to go out and hunt something or whatever because we got to feed like families. Like, it, I mean, everybody has their individual going to the grocery store or whatever. So there's not even that stuff that used to be yeah. in there or the town dance or something mm-hmm. like that that was just the customs that were happening. In Me and Luke still go clogging pretty regularly. That's good. Can I tell you guys a, a quick thing? And then I, I promise I'll, I'll stop talking about AM, AMDG, although we don't have to. So this one time when I was in California, me and Scott Duran, I don't know like what happened, but Scott got mad at me. I think I was like, I think he was concerned about this thing I was doing. I don't know. I was hanging out with like a bunch of, with like a bunch of hipster <laughs> Protestants. And he, I think he was worried that I was going to like, I'm leave the church. And I was, I was no danger of that at all. I just like, you know, just wanted like more Christian um, community and stuff. And so we're like in the car and we're going up somewhere. I mean, I, I hung out with Scott. Like we lived in this, in the same like building. We were together every day and he was now, he was dating his now wife, then Tracy Oliver. And do you remember Tracy Oliver? Yeah. Father David. Yeah. So like yeah. it gets like, so I like that. I, I'm in the car with him and we've done this a thousand times. We have like whole routine that we do. And he gets like awkwardly quiet for a, for a bit. And he goes, so I know. And I'm like, is is he gonna talk to me about something? And he, and he goes. <laughs> so he's like, so there's this thing, you know, like I'm a little bit, I'm worried about this. And I was, I'm talking to Tracy, and she said, you know, Luke's in like AMDG. They're a little bit different. They they like talk about like what they feel about every week, and they they just like um, share all their crap together all the time. So don't be <laughs> don't be scared just to like kind of talk. And he's like, so I know, like she said, you're AMDG, and you guys like talked about stuff. I just want to like I'm gonna bring up this thing, and I was like. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. This is this is like this is how I work. <laughs> and it just yeah. you get it. So I'm like, and, and and that's the thing that kind of always like. I mean, like when we would have detox, it would turn at times into something a little bit weird. But like for the most part, I liked talking about what was going on in my life, and I wanted you guys to hear what was on my heart. I wanted to hear what was going on, in like in like your heart. And that's I kind of like reject this idea that like like all men want are just is like let's go read I'm wild at heart and burn stuff, which is great. Which we did, but like (laughs) that was there, but, Mm -hmm. but there's also like, what about us who like, who like also liked blue Lake jazz and just have a lot of thoughts about stuff. And I, (laughs) I don't know. And I just like appreciated that about us that like, it was expected like, Hey, like share the crap. Yeah. So it's called detox for a reason. Absolutely. So I have a thing to talk about. All right. Mm -hmm. So your boys in grad school right now at Notre Dame. I'm not sure if you are aware. I've got it on the little cup here. So when I'm doing a thing where I'm reading a bunch of, um, I'm trying to study Nouvelle theology or like whatever it's called for this like whole thing. So, and I'm and it's and and I've had to learn a little bit about the heresy of modernism, and it's super interesting. You are you are marching into Father David's wheel, (laughs) and one of the things in there, and so I'm I'm going to connect this to. Two different things. So I'm trying to unpack like what you know, like what like is modernism because this like whole movement that like Pope, uh, that uh, Pope Benedict and the, like Balthasar were kind of the inheritors of to a like a certain extent gets thrown in with modernism with some like some people and they really def- and, and from what I understand people have defined like, modernism as this thing where like I interpret the faith on my own. 
like I interpret these things and I do and I do it through my like own lens and however I want to and I'm I'm still trying to unpack like what exactly it is and it and I have some thoughts about that and like how that is experienced right like right now and I'd be curious to get your take on that Father David so like I could have the wrong interpretation of modernism because again it's not the main thing I'm trying to say it's this like other thing that I'm having to dive into to unpack like bigger thing and I sure. see uh, a lot of like right now of what's going on within the heresy of modernism as I'm trying to wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it, it does. Um, I mean, I, I will, I will, I will say I'm, I'm probably not the, the greatest like scholar or whatever in this area. It's a podcast. You're fine. Yeah, great. I do think there's a, there's a notion of modernism that is wanting to just get with the times to, to get with, like to modernize the faith even if that means breaking with like the perennial traditions, breaking with what has always been true, to evolve the notions of Christianity to, again, get with the modern times. We see this, it's basically, it comes, I would argue, from some sort of consumerist mentality mm-hmm. and as well from a thinking of like we and individuals and what we're what we're going through is like the arbiter of truth. It's where truth comes from, right? This is starting somewhat in the the nascent form is like in in Descartes, like I think therefore I am. But as well, it's like there's Hegelian stuff in terms of the things are always changing, things are always maturing, but it might be a complete break with the past. It's like, no, 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 it can't. The the notion of development of doctrine is that it must be in line with what previously came before. Um, There might be a maturation in our understanding, but it's never going to be a complete break. But there are those who want to just get with the times In, in whatever venue or aspect of theology it is, they want to break with the past. So, yeah. So, the, how do you? This is what I'm wrestling. Well, I'm sorry. Can I, can no, I please, 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 please. So, it is your show in too. Modernism. <laughs> I am a co-host. Half of it. Fifty-fifty. Uh, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's more like forty-nine fifty-one. You, but um, <laughs> just for the people, wise. No, but modernism in one sense is like embracing the modern order. So, mm-hmm. like, the modern order is the rejection of what they call the ancient regime, the ancient regime of the union of throne and altar. Mm-hmm. So, part of the separating of throne and altar is a rebellion against feudalism, right? Everything that reeks of medievalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, for a lot of me- what we would call the modern movement, it was Platonist as a rejection of Aristotle, which was the schoolmen, so St. Thomas Aquinas and all their buddies. It was a rejection or an embrace of scientific method of the scientific method as the only path to knowledge mm-hmm. so it's a lot of like positivism and stuff like that so as that uh, and a mechanistic worldview and all that stuff kind of intellectually and scientifically in the culture and it was hardcore rationalism so religion became reduced more and more to just this thing one religion is separated from so jerusalem is separated from athens right so no more philosophy no more reason just go to the bible alone then you have the later development of religion, then just whatever's left of it just gets reduced to morality. And then you have the kind of like the modern push. This is what this is all Pope Benedict's argument in the Regensburg Address. The modern push. So you got the Protestant push, the Enlightenment push, and then you have the multiculturalism of today. But the thing of modernism is like, okay, so when we look at the Bible, we're going to look at it through a scientific lens, mm-hmm. not through a faith based lens. Mm-hmm. So we're going to approach it with skepticism. It's called the hermeneutic of skepticism, and that's where you get the historical critical method. So there's all these doubts that begin spreading. 
And then when it comes to politics, what is it? Well, it's democracy and republic a little bit, but mostly democracy. So how do we view hierarchy? Well, we only view them as tools of oppression, aristocratic power, feudalistic power. And so a lot of these things, everything is being, so modernism as a heresy is like everything. That's yeah. Right. So it questions everything. Mm -hmm. And so to try to refute this thing called modernism, modernism is like a giant sack where it's like dozens of things are thrown in. And so there's a famous cartoon of Pope Pius, Pope St. Pius X trying to fight modernism. And it's like a, a many tentacled monster coming out. And it's like liberalism in terms of the political order and the enlightenment and, you know, like all of these things and yeah. women's ordination and empowerment, you know, so whatever. Yeah, so, that's why they call it what was called the synthesis well, of heresies. all errors. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. everything, the synthesis of all heresies. Yeah, exactly. Father David, can you do me a favor? Make sure your microphone doesn't rub on your shirt. It sounds like you're crinkling paper. Sorry. You don't have to hold it in front of you. Just don't let it crinkle. So then does that mean that like this idea that it is, it's not about the individual and his or hers experience that is saying, if I, I believe this or not, it's like the way by which we come to like taking like modern approach to everything with a complete disregard for tradition or what came before. But that's, I think what Gormley's pointing out is that what, what came before was an understanding of like, so for instance, religion, like religion is that, that word is a dirty word nowadays mm-hmm. when religiare just means to be bound to. And guess what? We were made to be bound to Christ and bound to each other, mm-hmm. not just my own personal individual relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes, he must be my personal Lord and Savior, but we are also called to be part of a mystical body, which guess what? It has a hierarchy. Like he's a head and we are members and different parts have uh, different members have different are, are, are part are, have different part. Um, this is where Saint Paul is talking about like not have not have jealousy within the body of each filling, fulfilling different roles. Um, but there's a rejection of that as well that is that's highly individualistic. High and this course is going to become highly consumeristic when you're just fo- focused on the individual. And, and and yeah, so that we'll, we're going to get this is going to stretch into things like worship too, where worship is going to end up becoming the thing that should please me. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, be focused on me, and so should all of religion. So should all of the Christian faith, and that's yeah, and it's going to cause more schism and things like that within the body. So I'm I'm having a I'm a conversation an ongoing one with my buddy Steve. But I mean, we've had like six texts back and forth about this, but I think there's going to be a lot about. Have you guys seen Spider Man into the Spider Verse or like the new one? Uh-uh. I saw the first one, not the okay. second one. It's great. Agreed. Okay. I love, I love so it. good. My kids listen to the so soundtrack good. all the so time. So good. Like, could, and so if, if we were to use that film as an analogy for the faith, like, so in the second um, film there, you like find that they're like, even though there's, a, you have a multiverse, there are certain things that like everyone within the, within the multiverse does like it always happens. You know, and so it's like the death of Uncle Ben, the death of this one, like, you know, like those big things. Mm-hmm. And we were we were talking about that as it as it relates to the faith because I think we're kind of both two people who are a bit uncomfortable with some of the national dialogue about like about how like like faith is only experienced this way and it has to look like this and there are things that I think of course that are true 
across the board, but then we were kind of comparing it to this film. Like, are there some things that like, no, it's actually going to be um different with like each individual or each time period because you just have a different experience, almost like a different invocation. Like your experience as a priest will be like different than mine, which will be different than I'm a different than I'm a Gomez. But there are also things that we all like have in common, which like is, are we at times to, and I like, I like, I wonder if like, this is almost like, I'm a, if this is like modernism, creeping in where it's like we treat the faith as math where one plus one is two and it's like actually there are these things and of course they are true but like there's a lot that i don't, I don't mean that it is actually that is it is um that it is subjective but your your experience and the way that it is that it is um, lived out for you in your time in, in your in your own vocation might might look different does that make sense yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of some particular issues. And I know, yeah, I, sh- I should probably put a little bit more like, let me like, I'm sure one that's like not such a hot topics, but like, I think the only, I think for me, the main thing that is coming to mind with this is stuff like, well, if I'm a Catholic, that much means I have to vote like Republican. That I have to naturally like vote along this line here. And if I don't, there's something that, it, it, you know, is wrong with me. Or if I'm I, like, I don't want to go into like, li- like, like, like liturgy with this. That's like a whole other thing. But I think like there's a. I feel as as if what I see from a lot of people is they all want it to look a certain way because we are used to seeing like it's either wrong or it's I don't know. I don't know where I'm like, it's either wrong or it's right. Right. So like, like, OK, let's just take the like, like Pope. We have a very liberal Pope right right now for all i would say like compared to to, to the last two i don't think that's the end of the world there's a lot of people who are like there are there are priests now who are saying like he should be like you know they're they are not even calling him by like his name as pope they're calling him by his like to me that's crazy it's just like not every pope is going to be conservative in the way like that that, that's 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 that, that might be like a more robust example Sure. I mean, it's a robust example, but in, in fairness, it's on it's it is on people's minds. I mean, oh, I get yeah. emails mm-hmm. from people about like, what do I do now when Father? I won't whatever mention his name, but I know who we're talking about. Uh, like, he's basically. I mean, he just whatever had a video. Yeah, it was crazy. Calling calling for like the Pope to be thrown into the sea with the millstone tied around his neck. And yeah, that's it's crazy. One just because I would argue that now we can see where in terms of the seven deadly sins, where wrath. Absolutely is one of them. Hmm. And that has corrupted the priest. A hundred percent. That's interesting. Like, yeah. And so, so like that, that's certainly problematic, but it also shows like a, a, a lack of understanding, like how the papacy in general, like a historical understanding of the fact that we have had like popes, we've had some that have just been like, whatever, fat Italians who didn't say Jack squat. And then we've had like others who might've said more things, but also it's also, it's a misunderstanding of like how the church works out things in life, Mm -hmm. uh, in her life. That there's like a sense of the faithful and theologians argue about things. Uh, Now this is usually comes from people who are already within the church who are practicing the faith, but the church like slowly, but surely when some question arises in a certain time, because someone usually, I mean, a heretic, this is, this is the good in a certain sense we could say of the heretics is a heretics help us figure out how we need to define something. 
and I'm not calling Pope Francis or anybody like that a heretic. I'm just saying, like, the point is, is that that uh, disagreements, lack of distinctions, lack of details in certain areas, like, help us think more. And we slowly but surely, with time, start to define more things as people discuss things. And eventually what happens is the Pope steps in and, like, will clearly define something more so along the way. It could be if there was something like we could have a Pope Francis or his successor, or whatever, who defines something. We might just have a, a small inching along the way in in something. But in terms of, I think that we we want part of the issue that we have currently right now within the church is that people want, I think, the level of a theologian within the Pope that we had in JP two and Benedict. And that is not every pope. Mm-hmm. We have not had that. Uh, you know, as I've tried to put it to people recently who have big concerns, I'm like, look, we sure there are things where I want Pope Francis to be more clear. There, I want like the distinctions that are helpful to people, especially that put hearts at ease. I also recognize that again, things get worked out in time. I also recognize we have like, and I try to tell them like, look, we got social media, we got people that are spinning things for particular agendas. We also live in a time where we can hear like every word that the Pope speaks, and we really don't need that. We need to like pray for him, fast for him as our father, and have a great filial and paternal love for him. But we don't need to know like every single word he speaks. And in addition to that, like ours, ours is to just recognize that. I'm losing train of thought. Sorry. Ah, crud. Well, I was going to say, you know, one of the big things with that is, you know, he's the Pope. That doesn't mean he's flawless. And we were uniquely blessed with some, with Popes who were reserved. So JP two had to be reserved insofar as he was trying to deal with tearing down Mm -hmm. communism. Totally. Totally. And then Benedict was reserved because that was his temperament. He's a college professor and he yearned to be there, but he also saw, the wisdom in not talking all the t- not fueling things not speaking mm-hmm. off the cuff because and and in the beginning of of Francis papacy i can remember i mean we had shows about it i remember being so mad at people who were mad about the airplane interviews and i'm like look he's approachable the whole world can approach the papacy and then i remember um talking with someone and he was crying grown man Many kids crying. And he said, why do I feel like the Pope is attacking me for being a faithful Catholic? And I'm like, you're reading into things. He goes, he called us Catholic rabbits. I was like, that's not what he was saying. The context of this, blah, blah, blah. But then for me, it was those things. The extent, Like, honestly, I, I, I read his Lenten reflections every year. Mm-hmm. His Lenten reflections as a Jesuit with that training, they're yeah. incredible. They are incredible. I remember I was with this super conservative priest, and he was like, print them out, do them every single day of the week. He's like, they're the best Lenten reflections you can get. I'm like, okay. But on top of that, right, a lot of the, you know, he said at the very beginning of his papacy, a prophet makes a mess. I plan on making a bunch of messes. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is, you know, it's like when you realize, like when someone becomes the president and they realize a comment they make can cause the markets to crash. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, like ca- casually speaking, in order to humanize the office of the papacy more, make it more approachable, is great. But what happens if you cause hundreds of thousands of people's faith to crash? Yeah. Right, and then you refuse to be corrected. Yeah. When they're not corrected, but like you refuse, like, hey, you said a very ambiguous thing. 
did you mean this this and this and like in the beginning they were like like i'm sure you meant this when you said that god it's god's will for there to be a multiplicity of religions when you were in a muslim country (laughs) speaking with a muslim cleric and he's like i'm sure you meant it's in his permissive will and he's like yes his permissive will it's like well eh, but that's not really what you said but good we'll clear that up yeah, I, I guess I I'm with you. The part that um with to you. a point I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you, Steve Martin, my blue heaven. I'm with you. Is that a uh, <laughs> Randall thing? He's like I'm in the FBI now. You, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. With you. It doesn't work like not, that. Not <laughs> not the jerk. Not uh, my blue heaven whatever. was the most popular movie in the Gormley household heaven. because I'm sure my mom and dad could identify the the mafia guy that he was <laughs> in half of their extended family uh, but like michael is that is the fault with that guy this is this probably this might not be the, the best analogy but is the fault with like the pope or is the fault with that guy for like putting too much emphasis on the pope like is that a sign like because t- to me i'm like maybe like why well the pope we does have that. a notoriously awful pr department like they have been from day one, they have been horrific in like the Pope will say something and they will not come up with like a statement to clarify things or explain things. And they're constantly having to go back and like they're having to bring in different people to but apologize. Like, he didn't and stuff like that. He, like, I mean, did he hire a new like if you get a, a, a new Pope, is it entirely new PR department? No, but, but so again, he's a liberal Pope, so he doesn't there's 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 apparatuses of this stuff so they don't bring in they do bring in new guys because they don't trust the old guys so the difference with benedict versus francis is that pope benedict believed in the essential catholicism of liberals and conservatives so he appointed bishops who were liberals and conservatives Mm -hmm. pope francis really does not do that and so that's been one of the gear grinding things of like benedict was like no, there are some things that are liberal brothers. I don't necessarily agree with this and this, but they see things that maybe I'm not seeing. They emphasize, you know, the church is a big church. And that's what, so that point of view, yeah. like, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I, that's the approach that I am trying to, like, to t- take. And I feel like a lot of, I don't expect everyone to, to do that, but I feel like a lot of people absolutely refuse to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's, I mean, there's some, we, well, one thing we do have to do is make sure we're constantly trying to assume the best of will. And this is just basic, right? Yeah. Like what the yeah. saints will say we must do. Um, we assume the best of will until we, yes, know otherwise. And while there might be some evidence that occasionally, like the Pope, uh, I mean, again, I'm not trying to assume ill will, but just sure, there might be some sort of comment that he has in mind, like that he has some issue with traditional lists um, or something like that. Like, he, we also have to, again, assume he's maybe seeing something that we don't see. I mean, I think parents can get this a little bit more when they, they need their kids to assume that the parent sees something greater than they, they can see. And, and I, I will get the, the instance of this particular priest we're talking about right now. Like this would be an example of like what he can see within like traditionally like minded communities. I'm not talking about like just people who have good understanding of tradition, but like this excessive like mad trad, whatever you want to call it. Like this guy's gone off the rails, and this particular priest is basically a set of a contest now who just basically called for the Pope to be killed and go to hell. Like there's something wrong there. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, like, it shows you something that's... Br- and, and, and the thing is, is, it's not just something wrong there with that guy. Go look at the comments section. It's a whole... Th- yeah. On, on YouTube. Yeah. There are tons of people like, you're the greatest thing. Like, you're an awesome prophet. I stand with you. Like, okay, wow. We have an issue. And so, uh, there is something to be said said there. And I think, again, and as I've been trying to tell people too, like, one thing we do have to remember with this Pope, not only as you were saying, whoever it was, Gormley or Luke, like... Um, uh, that he said in the very beginning, like that he was gonna make a mess, and he even told other people, like make a mess. Wasn't that like Rio yeah. or something like that? Yeah, yeah, like, but also, day. but still, he he also says, like I'm a pope to the peripheries. Like I want to get the people listening who would not give a damn about what the church has to say. And so he's beginning dialogue, and he ta- he loves dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is part of the synod sort of mm-hmm. thing. We're listening to you, mm-hmm. like. And if anything, like I mean, I have to do that all the time. I sit in my office, and some person has some issue, and I just I sit there and listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I have to figure out exactly when I need to say maybe the truth or when. Like, is it going to be this meeting or is it going to be a second meeting when I have to, like, drop the truth bomb on them? But a lot of times I just have to listen a lot and, like, they have to know they're loved by me so that maybe then they can receive the truth. Because nobody cares what I have to say until they know that I care. So they have to know that I care about them. And then maybe, yeah, I'm going to be able to speak truth to them. I will go back to just real quickly, like, I would still say, like... A thing that set up Pope Francis um, to be more, let's hope it's like, right, misunderstood and things, is that you do have Benedict and JP2. Like, JP2 has like the theology of the body. Like, we have popes that are laying down theology that is being taught heavily, or at least being taught right now. Not just like they they solemnize something that that the, the 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 that some council said or whatever that theologians have been working out for years. Like JP two gives us like man and woman he created them the theology of the body. He gave us like a whole significant uh, amount of stuff that now like institutes are formed on like trying to unpack. You have you have Benedict who's giving us tons of who is uh, who who as a head of the congregation for the doctrine of faith like is is laying out truths, is like the what the German shepherd for JP2, but then as well as Pope is laying out more stuff in regards to theology, like yes, we can, without getting into liturgy wars and stuff maybe right now, but like is helping us understand like what, because he was at the council, like what the council actually believed, trying to help us understand this hermeneutic of rupture versus hermeneutic of continuity, like an understanding of the council that must, in terms of continuity. And so is laying out some big things. Um, so they are like significant theologians that are laying out stuff. Which again is not the norm in regards to the papacy. That's also true. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and like it is. Listen, it is insanely hard to be a a Catholic right now. It has always been hard, you know. But like it's it's this is our cross now. Is that like we face rejection from our family, from our friends, from our coworkers, from people on all sides of us now. That just even even twenty years ago, that concern was not as intense. Yeah, I think right that's now. where the hurt's coming mm-hmm. from. I think that's where the hurt's yeah. coming from. Like, we're like, we already have enough on our plate. We're already, we're just tired. Mm-hmm. Like, we're already beat down by the society. We, we want, like, we want a father figure. We want a father figure that's going to be there to support us and to nurture yeah. us and to guide us in this difficult time rather than, I think, the, the Pope who's saying he wants to, like, kind of shake things up. He wants the he wants to usher us into like having more dialogue with the world and those who wouldn't know it. Why? Because I mean, I think he does have a legitimate desire for the salvation of souls, and so he wants the world to know it, uh, uh, to know the faith. But I, I think there are those who are trying to live. It's it's a it's a very difficult time to live. Um, 
and, and there are things that like he says that I'm like, <laughs> what, you know, or like things that, that have, that, that yeah. have happened that I have like, like, I don't understand why Rome is doing this. Like I, I legit don't understand why, why it's happening, but it, I just like the only person who can save us is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we're just like, Whenever we freak out over... Luke, if modernism has taught us anything, the only thing that can save us is celebrity. <laughs> celebrity priests, celebrity bishops, celebrity pontiffs. We're now into podcasters. podcasters. Well, exactly. I'm starting my TikTok tonight. Yeah. This is it. This is our moment, Luke. We will shine. <laughs> Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I will give you a podcast. <laughs> what? And it just... It's it's very easy for, for me. I, I'm having to like consciously even step a further away from things like Twitter than I than I already have because it just is too much. Good, and then that's the thing. This so circle back completely to the beginning of our conversation. Like we need real fraternity. Mm-hmm. We need real brotherhood and community, and that's what we've lost. We have this artificial, and I know you've talked about it in the technocracy and all these sorts of things on your podcast. Like we have this fake notion of community that's it's not really feeding us sure we know more content more news but it's also like wasting our time and it's robbing us of peace we need to get back to just loving god and loving neighbor like go love your actual neighbor like next door know the people on your block and if they're all horrible pagans whatever like figure out your strategic plan to like evangelize them and all that but okay then form community at your parish and like have great good catholic community and get back to just the devotional life, the sacramental life, again, loving God and, and iron sharpening iron in that community. That's, that's what's going to, you know, for people who are also worried about stuff like, I'm not going to be asked at the end of my life and judged by God, did you correct Pope Francis? Did you like give, you know, sure, maybe did I, did I shepherd people in regards to like a proper love of him and maybe answer some questions? Sure, that's, that's my job, yeah. maybe. But like, for the most part, it's going to be, did you, where, like, here's where you could have loved me. Here's where you could have like loved your neighbor. And that's what it is. So like, we need to just get back more to the very, very local <laughs> sort of love yeah. and, and stop worrying about all the rest. The, the church's teaching on modernism from 1905 or 1907 mm-hmm. has modernist subjects the entire body of Catholic teaching to the principle of evolution. This is illustrated on four points, faith, Christ, the liturgy and the church. And he talks mm-hmm. about, like part of it is what I said, right? This use of liberalism as a way of governing the church. And if you don't know, I've been doing a deep dive into all these different Protestant models. And one of the models that separates Protestants and joins them is known you as. Don't know? Are we supposed to like be following your schedule, your yeah. planner, or something? No, no. I, You've I never brought say, this up before. Look, I didn't say the thing yet. That if you oh. don't know, this model of polity called congregationalism, right? So there's Episcopalism, which is the rule of bishops. There's pres, uh, presbyteralism, which is the rule of, of not necessarily priests, but like the Presbyterian Church has these higher up committees or councils mm-hmm. or representative bodies that then can actually shut down other Presbyterian churches. But the Congregationalist model, your ever average non-denom, right, that has a pastor with elders and stuff like that, for them it's all the elected body, and so for the Pope that's modernism. Right, huh. so that's that's, that's one of the signs of modernism is the subjection of everything to a a vote to to democracy that the leaders of the church it's not sacerdotal power 
They don't have a ministry of magisterial or sacramental authority. It's just appointed. And so you see these veins, especially in the continent of Europe, since the 1800s of trying to get bishops and priests and doctrine subject to a vote. But one of the things that he talks about, and I find this so fascinating, you can totally hear this in Benedict, is this notion of when they conceive of God, they conceive of him, and we talked about this, Luke, of purely imminent, like God is here with me. Mm-hmm. So what does faith mm-hmm. mean? Faith is an experience. And so the Pope said that it's a, an agnostic belief system within Catholicism that has a, a mystical Protestantism at its core, right? I don't have faith unless I've had some profound experience and that's it. That's the whole of it, a subject subjectivity of an experience mm-hmm. of faith. So not I've submitted my intellect and will to the gospel or to Christ or whatever. It's I had an experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so for them, the church is the collection of people who have had an experience. And tradition is the original experience of the apostles. That's what they call Jesus the Christ event. I remember reading Frank Sheen. He said, the most abominable words I've ever heard in the English language is the Christ event. You mean the incarnation? And no, they don't. They mean Jesus, who was a man with the fullness of God consciousness, is what von Balthasar railed against. The fullness of God consciousness brings these truths to us. And that original experience of God consciousness of the apostles gets carried on, and that's tradition. And von Balthasar goes after that because Karl Rahner, who's another famous theologian, another Novel Theology, but he was kind of an interesting fellow. But anyway, he is the theologian that won the Second Vatican Council. Everyone, every seminary became Ranarian after that. Um, but his big view was like he would talk about Christ consciousness because he wanted to focus on the the new kind of science of personality and consciousness, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? And by emphasizing that, von Balthasar, and this is one of my favorite classes. I took a Mariology class from Dr. Regis Martin, who's a von Balthasarian, and I also took texts of Hanser's from him. And he said, so we're reading this Marian thing, and he said, to say that Christ was not God but rather full of God consciousness or had a conscious awareness of the divine. He said, you take the prerogatives of Mary and you put it onto Jesus. Mary was the one who had God consciousness. She was aware of the presence of the divine. Jesus is the divine. And this is one of the other ways how Mary defends the doctrine of who Jesus is. He was just a man that like was uniquely blessed with awareness of God. If anything, that's Mary. He was God himself, or he is God himself, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is some of these tendencies. And the, the funny one is on liturgy. This is how it's summarized. Liturgy, if it's to main relevant, must be adapted and modified to suit the customs and concrete situations of the people who celebrate it. Instead of being reformed by the liturgy, the liturgy is reformed by man. Yep, that's what uh, we're swimming in right and now. And then they yeah. condemned the conservative force and the progressive force shortly thereafter that. Yeah. I wish I'd taken that Von Balthasar class at a Franciscan. So good. No, it, it, like, reading. I don't even know where to go with all this stuff. Like, this is the thing. This, I guess this is, like, what Balthasar has been, like, one. Of, he, he said his great of life's works was just, like, trying to put everything into, into a bottle and to, and to cast into a sea while the ship was sinking. Everything's been blown to hell, and we have to we have we have to slowly put it back together again. And I think part of this could just be the experience of that is that we don't have this. We've kind of lost our 
you know, like the idea of like, like, okay, okay so Father David, you just talked about we should be praying and we should, and like, we should be unfasting for the Pope. Most people, like back in the day, it is, it is your family who would, I'm going to teach you to do that. It was part of your family tradition. It's why you have a picture of the Pope in your house. It's why, you know, that's been totally lost with not, mm-hmm. not like with everyone, but with a lot of people. Yeah. Things like that have been lost. We have to almost relearn a little bit. That, okay, this is a thing oh. I really um, sh- I really um, should be doing now. Like I don't have a picture of the pope in here. I don't I mean I pray f- I I pray for the pope but it's not like part of like my daily prayer. I've never fasted for the pope before and that used to be part of the life of the church and we have lost it's not that like it's gone, but it's just somehow it it's well, been um we we've just lost touch with so much. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's the same as. I mean, similar thing we see down here in Texas. Like, obviously, there's there's like third generation, you know, Latinos who don't know one how to speak the language of their grandparents, mm-hmm. nor do they know many of the traditions of their grandparents. Which usually by third, fourth generation, like that's what's interesting is like I end up seeing, which are seeing a, a a a spiritual notion of this within young adults right now. Because they want, where the, where the third generation, fourth generation Latinos are like, I want to be able to speak Spanish. But my parents told me not to speak Spanish so we could be like Americans. And they were like, I want to be able to speak Spanish. And I want to know the customs of my family. And I want to know my roots and all that. We're seeing the same sort of thing with Catholics nowadays. Like, I want to know my faith. I want to know what made the saints before. Because I'm not seeing a lot of saints being made. I'm not seeing like people that are exuding holiness, that rejoice and have a reason for their hope we're seeing, uh, yeah, with, without going down that like negative rabbit hole. Like the point is, is that people want, want the faith and we just have to rediscover the stuff. This is why we're actually such, in a, such a beautiful, like when people get really down about it, I'm like, look, we're in an awesome time. That's true. Like that's true. We, we have an awesome time. Like there are so many good publishers, Tan Books, Sophia Press. Like there are many good places that are, that are bringing these things, these books that were in public domain, like back to, um, uh, bring them back into circulation so that we can read them. Again, I tell people all the time, like when people ask like, what book should be reading? I'm like somebody with an ST in front of their name, like read a saint mm-hmm. or yeah. I mean, sure. There are, there are other good books that are, I mean, modern authors are writing and usually those ones are great because they're quoting the saints mm-hmm. a ton, but yeah, there's, there's lots of good stuff that's coming out there. I mean, even like I know, for instance, for me, for the priesthood, like I'm, I'm pumped and I'm always trying to get like donors and stuff like that to, to, push money towards like St. Alphonsus Liguori, like his content has not been put into English. It's still just in Latin. This is the doctor of moral theology. Like when you have a morality question, you're supposed to go to St. Alphonsus Liguori. In, in his Praxis Confessiari, which is the, the practice for the confessor, like John Vianney wrote like that, in, in, like that was the book that made him the, a conf- the confessor he was. And he said, no priest should ever enter the confessional until he knows like all of say Alphonsus Ligora's moral theology. Like that's a big statement from the guy who is like the priest for diocesan priests. And then as uh, you know, I'm sure we've all heard like a few times, like supposedly the devil said like, if there were just three John Vianney's in the world. Like his whole kingdom of darkness would be done. Like, yeah, that we need to be like John Vianney. We need to know what John Vianney knew, as well as we need the prayer life of John Vianney, which gets us back to your point. Is like, yeah, we all need to be like just rediscovering and retrying to live and not getting caught up in the rat race and the the all the things on social media, but just love God, love our neighbor, work on our spiritual life, like pray, hope, don't worry. We just had the feast of St. Padre Pio just recently. Like, yeah, I mean, work on that. Pray, hope, don't worry, love God, love your family, like love figuratively the hell out of them. Um, and 
Like that's that's our that's our main thing. And 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 yes, pray for the Pope. Like absolutely, pray for a successor. Like you can all, we can already be doing those things. Um. Uh. And yeah, these things need to be rediscovered. And if there is if there is issue with the Pope, or there is issue with your bishop, or there is with issue with your pastor, like pray for him, fast for him. Like these, this is the, this is the normal way of like doing things. Um, uh, uh, this is what like helps bring like grace into their lives. So they may be the saints they're called to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is just what we do as Christians. Yeah. Well, and I think it's, if you think of modernism, think of it in terms of enlightenment rationalism. Mm hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how you think of it. And so what Ratzinger is trying to do is he's trying to show the rational underpinnings of faith, but to also show that faith is something fundamentally different than reason. Right. So if you look at his introduction to Christianity, the first third of it is all about the relationship between faith and reason and how reason is not going to collapse into fideism, but it's also something more than what reason could ever give us. It's the response to the God who reveals himself. And the reason why, you know, um, people kind of more traditionalist people, because they're Thomists, criticize Ratzinger. They're like, well, he's not a Thomist. He doesn't quote Tom. Ratzinger was enough of a Thomist that he needed to be by church law, which means that his doctrines are not at variance with St. Thomas Aquinas. But Ratzinger, Cardinal Ratzinger and Pope Benedict, he was an Augustinian. In in much of his approach, and especially Augustine, as interpreted by St. Bonaventure. Bonaventure. You know who else is an Augustinian? St. Thomas Aquinas. So when we understand them as being within the school of, of, of Augustine, just different parts of it, and then taking that and going forward, you can understand that Ratzinger is not a modernist, even though he might be counted among the Novel Theology. Like, he's a guy who is at war with modernism because he sees it as something that sucks the soul out of religion and out of everyday life. Like that was his thing. Like, uh, you know, he, he shares a lot of like spiritual roots with, um, Romano Guardini, um, a lot mm-hmm. of things like that. But for him, like the battle that he was fighting in a lot of ways, you can read in the Regensburg address. Have you ever read that father David? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever read it? Yeah. I mean, I'd Luke? have to, I'd have to go back and look at it again to be able to really talk about it, but yeah. You ever read that Luke? The Regensburg it's, address. It's, it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, it's not super long. It's an address that he gave at Regensburg, and Regensburg is unique because it was a German university, which meant it was paid for by the government. It was a religious theological school, and it maintained a Lutheran and a Catholic chair for like the last like 300 years, which is crazy with all the wars going on in, in Germany between the Lutherans and the Catholics. So he gives this address, and his main thing, like when we talk about modernism, we're talking about capitalism we're talking about uh liberalism and we're talking about rationalism uh um enlightenment right we're talking about these principles of doubt everything the only thing that matters is my subjective experience like descartes i think therefore i am he subjectivized the move of philosophy Mm -hmm. descartes was quoting augustine who actually said that to the to the skeptics in the academy but (laughs) augustine was like that was like one proof along the way But Descartes made a whole thing. Like, I can't doubt my subjective experience. Therefore, I will start from that. And so the modernists, when it comes to religion, deny it its objective content, right? And so that's one of the big comments. Like, modernists have a hatred towards systematic theology. That's why when you read modernists in their theology, they're not systematic. In fact, the Pope even says this. They're all over the place, and they're all over a place by design. It's not a style in which they're writing. 
they're deliberately not saying what they are they're they're deliberately dancing around the issue because okay. they themselves are there's a deep-seated agnosticism and skepticism towards what we can know what god has revealed and the whole project of ratzinger is let's put divine revelation back at the front of what it means to be a christian mm-hmm. yeah. well you know what's uh, sorry you can go ahead father david I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, the linkage between those Gormley's, Gomer's recent statements and like what we were just talking about is that so like if modernism and its ills that have infected most of us and we all have to be constantly mm-hmm. like looking for it. I mean, even like traditionalists have to watch out for their feels like, why am I going to the TLM? Why am I going to like whatever? Like, is it just because of the feelings? Yeah. Because, I mean, granted, they it should, like, more sacred things, more beautiful things will cause, in some way, shape, or form, like, a greater uh, impact on the senses and things like that. But is it just the senses? Is it just that movie? But, but back to, like, the praying for the Pope and things like that. Like, we, we've lost, like, the reason why, um, uh, or rather, because modernism is out there and we're all, like, basically infected, we, we, get, we get caught up in these rationalistic tendencies, which is where we're getting, like, so much politics in a certain sense of the church. Now, wherever there's human beings, there's always yeah. politics, right? But, like, this, like, almost warring and hyper-focusing in a secular way on the church as, like, a political entity, yeah. rather than just being, like, again, this is, like, wherever there's human beings, there's going to be politics, there's going to be different ideas. What is hard to do? Bring the supernatural back into it. Like just be praying and fasting for like our spiritual that, especially if there's in, if there's issues. Whether again, it's your p- particular parish priest, it's your bishop, it's your pope, whatever it may be. Like again, praying and fasting for them. Like my dad's dad, my granddad on my dad's side was a abusive alcoholic. Like, but my dad didn't go out and like rail on his dad and like talk about all the horrible things that were happening. Like, sure, maybe nowadays we get some more things available so that his mom wasn't being beaten or whatever. Like, but, uh, what was the main, if you were talking about on like a Catholic level, what should my dad have done? And he, and he did besides just trying to like love his family and like love his mom excessively. Like when, you know, his his dad was just a mean person, like pray for his dad, fast for his dad. Like, that's what you do. That's what we do as Catholics. Um, we bring the supernatural into it. We recognize that like, that God through St. Paul said, like, we build up what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And we also recognize that it's Christ's sufferings that we are participating in. By our baptism, we have been made little Christoses. We have been made ones who, like, I was just reflecting upon this today. I put out like a YouTube video. Like there was a piece like in the, in the liturgy of the hours today, like um, from Ezekiel, which talking about like God would put their sanctuary with them. Like in the, in in their midst, and I was like, "Well, okay, what does that mean? Like, is it just mean like a crud ton of Catholic churches like all over the place because everybody's supposed to be Catholic, or is it also saying that like Christ has transformed us through baptism and like made us into like little Christ? And if Christ was the temple, the altar, the priest, the sacrifice, like we have that capacity as well. Like we have become temples of the Holy Spirit. We can offer our spiritual sacrifices, like the crosses that we're like that we have. Like deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow after Christ. Um, and, and through that, like be able to be a conduit, an instrument of grace in the world um, uh, to, to, to sanctify it. But we forget, like we don't even know who we are because, and this goes into like, again, the ills of modernism, we're just caught up in like the rat race of life, just thinking of things on a very earthly, natural level. We've, we've jettisoned the supernatural. And because of that, like we're 
uh, we're hurting, we're devoid of peace, like, and, and we just look at, like, this time, and we even, like, subjugate the church um, to, like, political categories and, um, again, a, a secular political way of looking at things rather than just being like, okay, for whatever reason, like this is the period we are in, in the church. Like there was a, there was an author, can't remember his name, but basically said like every three to 500 years, the church gets like lazy, comfortable, and then like the Holy Spirit renews it. Like we're kind of in that time right now, like 500 years, like maybe we got comfortable and the church is being renewed, but it's got to go through some labor pains. It's got to go through some working out some things in regards to like heresies. If anything, even more so right now, ours is to like pray fast, learn the faith and, 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 and then just dig, dig deep, deep, deep roots. Um, uh, yeah. Rather than getting like to use last Saturdays, I think it was like getting as a sower cast to see, it's like getting choked out by the worldly anxieties by worldly anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always think about the third seed. I in in something I was reflecting on in a in my prayer journal, which I'm trying to do more regularly, is like you keep seeing in Jesus's preaching the third seed come up all the time, right? So the first seed is it falls upon rocky ground or the path and is snatched up by the devil. The second seed it goes in shallow soil and it's persecuted. It's like it immediately takes root, it immediately grows, and then the sun comes up and withers its roots because persecution. And then it says the third, so it fell in good soil, it just fell among brambles, right? It fell among the thorns and thistles. And so it said it chokes the life out of it. And what are the things that chokes the life out of it? Well, de- the delights in life, right? Concerns of this world. And Jesus, the more I study and just slow down and actually read him like, huh, Jesus lists five things. I just read him as like, hey, here's an example of five things that suck, right? And I just kind of skim over them, right? But now I'm like, well, let me think about each one of these five things. And then you realize, oh, well, that that literally ties to this parable here. And that ties to this thing here because he's referencing it because he's talking to the same group. And you're like, ah, how did I miss this? You know, and one of them is this notion of the seek first the kingdom of heaven. And he keeps bringing up like, you're, you're not going to be faithful if you let the world like legitimate worldly concerns. Buying a field, you just got married, you just bought five oxen, come follow me, forget the rest, right? And that's one of the things that that it's the it's the number one killer. I think the third seed is the number one killer of Christians' faith. Is like we it's just life, man. It's just life, man. It's like I know it is, but that's why I want you to come to my life. It's like, yeah, but I'm just so it's just so I'm just so busy. You know, or so distracted, or so exhausted, or so whatever. I got all these things, and it's like, and that's that's the hardest thing for me right now. Well, uh, yeah, I so I'm in. Oh, I'm, I'm not in, but I'm starting to be very active in communion and liberation. I don't know what it takes to be in, but I'm going. And I think there's um, like a blood oath and a goat. I don't know. With a goat. I can't wait. There, there's it's so. I'm amazed Italians aren't just dehydrated all the time. So I went to Elma one meeting. There was like a like a, like a bunch of Italians. There was just wine and coffee, and I'm like, do you ever drink water? Um, hydrate, fellas, hydrate. But uh, like, how much of when you hear the guy and I forget his name, but talking about like you have to wrestle with this. This is work. Yeah. This is work. Like this, this, this is work. And when I and Gomer, when I like, I'm thinking about what you are saying, and I think about what you're saying. You know, Father David, which is that like the idea of giving your anxieties to God is so easy. The reality of that is very, very difficult. Yeah. And that's the work. 
I I I think because like here's here's why I find it hard. I have to do these things. I have to, I have to consider like these are all things that I have to be a part of that that I have to weigh that that I have, that I have to judge that I have to be involved with and I have to make sure that I that I um, like give that to God. It can be very hard to not be so attached to all of that stuff, and it's it's a con it's something that daily constantly of of giving over to the Lord, and it's it's a um, I'm I'm becoming a lot more comfortable with understanding that like this is a process. Mm-hmm. And this takes, and that this kind of like the I forget what you call it. There's like the like three stages of a disciple. You have the like encounter stage. You have the a discipleship part. You have the third part where it's like sainthood or like whatever. And the bulk of our lives is like in the second part of of our experience of just this, we're like back and forth, going deeper and deeper and 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 deeper. And how that can be pretty difficult at times, but it's something that you have to do because I think if you don't, the faith just becomes an idea. And it yeah. just becomes yeah. My sorry, sorry. keep going. No, no, no. Finish, it, 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 that, it is idea. Yeah, it 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 just becomes an idea. It becomes a group that I'm in. I remember in college, I'm wrestling with the idea that like God is a thing that I do that I'm really really good at, mm-hmm. and trying to come to terms. Yeah, with I mean, that. this is this is a giant ill of mean of our times. Like, right, like this is checkbox mentality, Catholicism. This is just like going through the motions, which sadly is the majority of our Catholics in the in the pews. I mean, sure, Riddell writes about this, Jeff Cavins writes about this with Active Disciple. Like, we have people in the pews who are not really sold out for Christ. But go to back to your one of your previous points, like, the faith is, my, my pastor growing up would say, like, the faith is simple, but it's difficult. So it's not complex in regards to, like, what Christ teaches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's simple. But it's difficult to live. And this is where then he changed, like, the, 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 what we all know, like, practice makes perfect. And he would go, no, 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 practice makes permanent. Like, we are people, we are habitual people. And so the more you do something, like, that is good for you, right, like, offering up your sacrifice, like, offering, turning suffering into sacrifice, like, recognizing it, offering it to God, the more we deny ourselves, take up our cross, the more we work on like eradicating the particular root vice we have, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's going to become permanent in us. And that's where like eventually, yes, if you're talking about the stages of the spiritual life, like that's where when we've, when we've done that well and our will is habituated towards like the surrender to God, this is even more so where that parable or that piece where the piece of scripture where Christ, that we, we say like every time I'm anointing somebody, like the yoke can be easy, the yoke is easy, and the burden is light. That's only once we have subjected like ourselves to God and let his strong shoulders carry us. But also we, we experience it is easy when, when, our, when our will and our heart, when, when all our mind, all our heart, all our soul, all our strength has become the Lord's, or at least it's far more habituated towards that. Then it then it then it then it it shines that like even sufferings are like a delight as we see in Saint Paul or the lives of the saints like where there when you get like your Saint Lawrence or whatever who's like grilling uh, like being burned alive and then says turn me over on this side I'm done and then like but also kind of like is the first person to say eat me because he says you could take like a bite <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah because he's so he's so given over to the will of God, recognizing that like, this is his moment. Like this is where he's building up, like what's lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Like this is Christ suffering. And yeah, I'm fully turned over to it. That like even agony like has become sweet. And that's only because they continuously did the difficult thing 
following the simple precept or, or instruction of the Lord, and to the point that yeah, again, their, their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength, everything had become so habitual, had been transformed by him. That, yeah. It reminds me of that book, The Friendship of Christ, where the guy at the end of it, or in the beginning of it, he talks about, like, why do we experience all these sufferings and all this pain and all this stuff? And it's like, when? And he's like, if the soul stays on, if the soul stays on, if the soul stays on, if it goes through the burning away of, like, your love and attachment to the externals of being a follower of Christ, and then it burns away the internals of your attachment to the love of Christ, he said, eventually, it'll burn away and purify how you actually think of Jesus Christ himself. And he uses the words that Jesus, the resurrection, spoke to Mary Magdalene, quit holding on to me. And he says, when the soul learns to quit holding on to Christ with all of its energy, then Christ can hold the soul, right? Can take hold of the soul. And it's that notion of like, but if I let go, I'm not the one in control. And I think in terms of and this isn't a glib thing. This is like so many Christians in their experience of God, right? So many, and I say this all the time. I was just talking to someone the other day about how I fear for the souls of traditionalists. And I'm like, they're going to go to hell if they don't understand. Like, just because I have fought for true worship in the authentic tradition of the church and I will do anything to make it glorious and renowned and all this stuff, and I hate my neighbor. I tell the Pope I can't wait till he dies. And, all of this stuff, if I have not love, right? Like mm -hmm. this thing inside of us that we call the Holy Spirit, like he left a long time ago when you were mm -hmm. cooking up mortal sin saying, Raka, you fool about against your brother and you'll be liable to the judgment fires of hell. Like, like this is, this is serious business. This is serious mm -hmm. business. And so many people think, well, because I got, this is the thing, like all of us have to do this because we all have our things, right? For me, it was a mm -hmm. knowledge. Right, I, I know a lot about church teaching. I know more than anyone else that I've met in the parish as a 17-year-old kid. I was freaking living the life of the fifth joyful mystery, smiling <laughs> every day, taking my – I mean, I remember getting an argument after argument in ninth grade with my teacher who was saying heretical things. She really was, but I remember it was like, she's saying the wrong thing, so that gives me permission to be a terrible human being. And when you actually read – in the Bible about what it says, it says, but do so with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, I didn't do that at all, right? So we all have our things that we look to to justify us and just happens to be yeah. the things that we're good at. And then the things yeah. that, the, this is why like returning to the gospel over and over again is so important because it's like, but our Lord has more than just your thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's himself that saves. And we're like, no, 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 I look, Jesus, Look at your liturgy over here, and I know that's you, and I have this. It's like, yeah, but you don't even love me. You've forgotten your first love. I'm a person. I'm, I manifest myself in a million different ways, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes, not mine. But you're rejecting me. You're rejecting me in the poor. You're rejecting me in this. You're rejecting me in that. Like, and it just kills my soul so much when it's like you don't have permission to hate people because you have good liturgy, or you don't have permission to have shitty liturgy because you, you are inclusive in your congregation. Right? Like, that's the thing. It's like, it all has to be dialed up to 100. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. No, I'm not. I'll get on it very quickly. No, I, I, that's, that is a very important thing. I mean, yes, it's... And maybe, again, that's for those who are, are having difficulties in this time. Like, that's what we have to remember, is that both of those things, whether I mean, those two kind of spec pieces of the spectrum that, that Gomer just pointed out, like, both of those have to be... Um, 
admonished, right? This is a work of mercy, yeah. right? This, one of the spiritual works of mercy. Like for what ills and what ways in which the devil could be playing with them. Like we need the 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 both and in the sense of we want to be welcome and we want to help people like surrender their lives to Christ, especially if they are the people on the peripheries. But at the same time, like we love God first and then our neighbor like secondary. That's the first and the second commandment, right? Like it's got to be in that order. Um, uh, like right, even we, we know this, even by the way, that like we teach little kids to say the cross, like, right. We start with the head and then we go to the heart. Like it's about the condescension, like Christ coming down that allows us then to like, go left, right, love our neighbor. We start with the vertical and then we move to the horizontal. Like, and so what, well, but then the others who might be so focused on the vertical, they, they're missing like how to love neighbor, like, well, um, in fact, they're harboring hatred in their heart. Um, yeah. Anyway. I won't get on the soapbox after. <laughs> Can I tell you what I was just thinking of? I was thinking of Bishop Strickland. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has come to me, and tell me what you think about it, especially Luke, I want, I want to know what you think about in this. So Bishop Strickland, he just has like the whatever, they're going to review him and might ask for his early resignation or whatever because he's making comments that might be considered well outside the fold of what he ought to be saying about the Pope. A lot of people defend him. You know, he didn't call the Pope a heretic, but kind of walked right up to that. Or maybe he did call him. Did he call him a heretic? Yeah. He, he was, whatever. The line was he pretty signed his, Supposedly he signed his name to a document that basically said that in Desideri Deravi that he spoke some heresy. And then, uh, from what I understand as well, said that the Pope has like an agenda to destroy the oh, church. Oh, right. Yeah. The agenda to destroy the church. But this is the funny thing like, about oh, this, yeah, right? That's... Uh, th- throughout church history, you've always had bishops who, like St. Augustine, right? He's in Hippo, or, uh, yeah, Hippo? Yeah, Hippo, Carthage, or whatever. But he's writing to people all throughout. Like, he's writing to Pelagius. He's writing to all these heretics. But this is the interesting thing. Like, uh, bishops are, a, their authority is in the local church. But because of social media, every bishop, in, in theory, Every priest mm-hmm. acts like the Pope. And that's mm-hmm. a, a that, that is a dangerous thing. Mm. Right? Like well, it's absolutely yeah. Yeah. Right. You, it's absolutely dangerous. I mean, that arguably, like, I don't think we'd have this issue. With, with Strickland wouldn't have this issue mm-hmm. if he was just like loving God, loving his neighbor, the people he's been put in charge of. Yeah, and staying off social media. The the, the difficult part is that, like, yeah, now we talk about like the internet as being a, the digital content, a continent and, um, and that we need to reach our people there. But yes, it is made then people's voices go way beyond their particular territorial boundary, which then, what about you? Yeah. Oh, I, Oh, trust me. I think about this yeah. regularly. Like where do I need, just need to shut up. Um, Luke thinks you need to shut uh, up every day. <gasps> every day. Every no, I know. Day. I post. I post way too much stuff. To the, I, I I try to have a limit on. I get fifteen minutes to social media based on my phone, and then my app shuts down, and I have to like enter a code before I would get on. Um, but I mean, I try to be limiting in terms of how much I go out there. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I try to submit it in prayer to go like, what do I need to be on? Like, do I need to be on here? Do I need to be trying to teach here? Or do I need to just shut up and like love my local parishioners, the people that I've been charged to care for their soul? The issue is, is in these mega parishes, like I might not be get to talk. I mean, I have people who go like, did you, did you leave? Did you go somewhere? 
But just because of the, the, the rotation of the priests, and when I get to preach, they might not see me for like a month or two yeah. and never get to hear from me. Now, I'm not the pastor, but like still they might want to hear from their priest who's, in, like, who's been assigned by the bishop to care for their soul. Mm-hmm. And so that might be the only way I can reach them. Um, because they it's follow fair. me, whatever yeah. on Facebook. So, but it's it's still a tough call because you have to figure out. Like, I think you do have to pray through content and go like, is this uh, is this necessary right now? Do I need to teach this? And and maybe I haven't always been. I know I have not always been the best at discerning. Like, should this be posted right now due to whatever issue happening in the church, local or larger? Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it's something priests have to think of, too. Well, I think one thing that's really interesting right now is that and I've got to go soon because it's almost yeah, 12, 12 o'clock here. But like, I got to leave at 6 a.m. for a flight. <laughs> this is very how prudent of you. That many of you, 545? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 8.30, <laughs> which is coming earlier for me. I don't know. I'm tired. This, this, this is going to make any sense. Okay. Like. As a Catholic church, we're very different from a lot of Protestants who go like go to mass. They go to church with like the, their family, whoever. They've been going to this thing for like a long time, and everyone's involved. Like we kind of go like wherever, you know. I'm gonna go to the, like not like I mean, you guys are are like a bit more in, ingrained, obviously. But like a lot of people parish hop. They go to, to wherever's most convenient. Mm-hmm. They they uh, they choose where they're going to going to go and their experience of the faith isn't isn't tied to one parish it's tied to like the american church and what can be a little a bit weird about that is if like you're trying to find a really good like authority if you know because again it's hard you're you're trying to find that thing to kind of hold on to you could actually have a bishop from outside of your of your diocese who maybe can turn into like a demigod almost like you're not the one that I should be going to, but you're the one that is. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this void here that I that I that I that I have. So like I think in this example, Father David, that like the people that like are I'm following on, they're like those are your people. So that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The danger could be when they're not, sure. you know, and that's yeah, and that's danger. tough because like what? So then like what does it mean about Bishop Barron? What does it mean about Father Mike Schmitz? Like like. You know. I don't see it necessarily as being, I mean, maybe this gets back to your previous question of like things being different and yet, you know, mm-hmm. in different times. Yeah, sure, like, sure. I mean, tons of people went, St. John Vianney had like what, like 300, 400 parishioners? That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy to think of. It. And, and yet, and then you'd have like a line that you get there and you'd have to wait like three days before you went to confession. Like, so we've always had, when you have like saintly people, You've always had um, people flock to those like saintly people, and I'm not calling myself a saint, but I'm just saying like we've always had like this scenario where people want to, people want the truth, yeah. and people want to find the truth and want to live in accordance with it. Why? Because of the truth, like goodness, goodness, truth, and beauty are like these attributes of God, um, uh, and people want them because we were made for God and our hearts will be restless until we rest in him. Um, but yes, there's always there's always been potentially the the capacity to idealize. One particular person, again, we saw with this, I've had experience with this one particular priest who came on on social media and all this sort of stuff, making like these videos. Like people were like, what do I do now? Like that he's uh, said these sorts of things. I'm like, you had the problem. You idolized him. Like he might've had some good content early on, but like, this is the problem we always have to watch for is like idolizing a particular priest or thinking that they are, whether it be the Pope, whether it be a bishop whether it be your local priest, that they are the Oracle of Delphi, and that they speak like 
just truth all the time. I tell people all the time, like, correct me. I got no problem with being corrected. If you can find something in a church document or whatever that where I'm wrong, I'm happy to be corrected because guess what? I'm going to make sure everybody knows where I'm wrong so that I can teach the truth to my people. Um, uh, uh, yeah, but there is, there. I mean, there's always a danger, not only for the individual, like social media personality, priest or lady, um, uh, the, the, where they need to watch themselves, um, but there's also... Uh, uh, yeah, people have to watch their own hearts in terms of how much they're giving themselves over to these personalities, which again, this is why I say we're in a great time. Like in some sense, we're, we're in a crazy time in, in the history of the world and the church. We're also in an amazing time because we have access to books that little old people on like some little French like farm never had access to, let alone could they read in the Vendée. The Vendée. Yeah, the Vendée. There you go. <laughs> My kids need so, wine. <laughs> so, like, we have access to reading, like, again, not only the catechism, whatever you do, your Bible in the Year, Catechism of the Year with Father Mike Schmitz, but you also can look at, like, older catechisms and things like that and see how the faith was lived. We have access to the writings of saints that people throughout the world have never had access to. Like, so many great things. And that's why, again, I just tell people, like, read. Like, pray scriptures, encounter Christ in the sacraments, in the living word, like, and then, yeah, read. If you want, again, back to full circle on our original thing. Like, yes, we need legitimate community of, like, brothers and sisters in Christ that we speak with on a regular basis, raise our kids with on a regular basis. Uh, 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 That's just, this is the part of our life. We're all striving for sanctity. But guess what? The saints are part of that community, too. Yeah, that's true. The saints are absolutely part of that community, too. And so go to them. They are the ones who ran the race well. Go to them mm-hmm. and like see what they would say. I got to go, but really quick. I watched the Game of Thrones episode, The Long Night, on the proper TV cal- uh, calibration. Last night in Total of Darkness, it was better. It's still not good, but it was, more, it was definitely better. This man's overrun. Pan camera off. Pan camera back. Oh, he's fine. <laughs> yeah no but you like w- what was funny about it was you're not as like exhausted be like what the heck is happening it, it does like certain parts do like absolutely look better but it doesn't make it a better episode fair enough fair enough. i know no it doesn't it's intrinsically evil oh that, one, that episode wasn't there. that episode wasn't no oh it no. wasn't okay all right fine fine i just don't like the show the principle uh, of intrinsic good. <laughs> integral good. Integral good. All right, Father are, David, thank you so much wait, for wait, being wait, my really friend quick. for 20 years. Are like, you watching anything right now? It's good? Me? No. no I, I, I read. I mean, my what deal YouTube is. You watch constantly... the Come on, what YouTube? When was the last time you watched the. You watched Team America World, World Police? Because <laughs> that is, still holds up. <laughs> Uh, I might think of a quote every once in a while. In my <laughs> America, <laughs> everyone. I I won't ever forget like hanging out with you or that song. Everyone has AIDS. <laughs> oh, <what> a brutal <laughs> song. It uh, uh, he right, died of AIDS. <laughs> Your brother. Anyway, I didn't know the intro good. No, no, no. Anyway, what? It was. It, this was fun, man. Thank you. This is great. Yeah, this is good. Go ahead and do it. Hope we'll be back sometime. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Yeah. Appreciate being with you. Whiskey so good. with Father person. Bye, Go. everyone. PHN.com slash CF. Okay, we're going to hit. You're going to hit leave. Okay, but Wait, not, no. Not, not yet. Wait, Luke is going to turn it off. Sorry. Sorry.